Hey friends, welcome to the Strangers in Common podcast. I hope this finds you well, but if you're not well, well that's okay. I'm always here for you. We'll keep it short and sweet this week, so let's go ahead and jump in and get to know somebody that you don't. And today, that person is Nikki. All right, so, all right, Nikki, thank you so much for joining me on this. We'll go ahead and jump in and take a journey through your life wherever you feel like starting. (laughs) Sure. So um, I guess I'll start by introducing myself. Uh, My name is Nikki Young. Um, I am a mom of two and a military wife, and I'm also a true crime podcast host. Um, I love to travel, but I don't have a whole lot of money for traveling. So I just (laughs) live everywhere across the globe for a few years at a time. Um, Where all have you lived? I have lived, so I started out moving across Canada, which isn't very interesting at all. I lived in Ottawa, uh, Nova Scotia, New Brunswick, and then we jumped all the way to Japan. Uh, I spent four years in Tokyo, uh, okay. best best four years of my life, that's for sure. And then sadly, I had to leave after four years and come back to Canada, and I've been back in Canada, uh, back in Ottawa for about uh, a little over a year now. And then we are once again moving in the summer, this time to Germany. So, oh, wow. Very excited for that because I'm already sick of the cold. <laughs> I, I don't blame you one bit on that. I'll take warmth any day of the week. <laughs> what did you like about Japan so much? So, Japan is kind of like a whole other world. I don't know if you've been there. Have not. <laughs> I highly recommend going. <laughs> um, it's it's just it's it's definitely different than North America. Um, it's very organized. I mean, it's I lived right in Tokyo, right in the middle of the city, and it's jam packed with people. But you wouldn't know it because of the way that the city operates. It's super efficient. The oh. trains are always on time. If they're even delayed by you know a minute, the conductor will record over the the intercom you know with a big apology um so you're always on time never late everyone's very it's i guess like i would call it like organized chaos okay (laughs) and everyone just knows what they're supposed to do how they're supposed to walk which side of the escalator to ride on and it's just it, it flows perfectly but beyond that i mean the culture is incredible I think that's one of the things that we kind of miss out on in Canada. Um, in Canada, we're kind of from everywhere. So not right. a lot of Canadians know their history. Whereas in Japan, everything has meaning. Everything is right. very his- historical. It just feels old while you're there. It feels kind of heavy and it just feels ancient. Um, the people are amazing. The sake is even better. And <laughs> <laughs> But I didn't have to work for a Japanese company, so I, I got I got kind of the best of Japan without the, the worst of it, which is nice. Oh, okay. So. Were you, how old were your kids when you lived there? Yeah, so when we moved there, my daughter was two years old, um, and she's now six. 
and my son was uh, four and he's now 11. So uh, especially my daughter, she spent the vast majority of her childhood there so far. Um, so she she's really missing it. Both of my kids really miss it. Now we're living in a very, very small town population of like 10,000 people. Um, okay. So <laughs> it's been an adjustment, but yeah. How did they do? Because with that age, they would have to start school out there, right? Or yeah. Yeah, my son got to go to an international school and okay. he absolutely loved it and fully embraced everything with it. He, you know, he did taiko drumming and uh, karate. Oh, wow. Yeah, and he, he just loved it. And my daughter as well. I mean, the, the education system is a lot different compared to um, Canada. You know, in Canada, we're like sitting at our desks and with our notebooks and pens and listening to the teacher, whereas my daughter, you know, the day would start off with them walking over to the grocery store, picking out fruits and vegetables, bringing them back to the classroom, cleaning them, cutting them, putting them in a dehydrator and turning them into paints to use. Really? Wow. Yeah. And taking apart computers, rebuilding them. They had power tools in the classroom. Um, <laughs> That's and crazy. And I'm talking like preschool, kindergarten. Um, very hands-on so huh yeah it's definitely not something you'd get in well not in the u.s and probably not in canada either i'm sure so anywhere in north america you don't see that kind of stuff yeah it, it's it's definitely different i mean it, and it's very clear that that's the way that it's kind of ingrained over there because i would be you know getting ready to bring walk my kids to school and there would be children who are maybe four five years old, walking to school, getting on the train by themselves, um, <laughs> traveling, you know, an hour to school in the morning, like five years old by themselves. And they're just so well behaved and so responsible. Wow. So uh, what, what kind of struggles have you had being a military wife with, I mean, if it sounds like a lot of moving, obviously that's one of them, but. Yeah. So, I mean, I met my husband when we were fairly young before we had kids, obviously, in uh, tw early 20s. And so we've been together since Afghanistan, where he deployed. Um, thankfully, that all happened before we had kids. So it was a lot easier. Um, but I mean, that's been hard. Lots of tours, um, deployments, courses, and then the moves. I mean, that's probably the best part about it. So a lot of people ask me, you know, why would you ever want to move every couple of years? And I mean, it's the experience. We get to start over again. We get to try new things and become locals wherever we're living. So we felt really yeah, lucky I, about it. I definitely get that. I would do it if I could, but I never joined the military. So <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not for everyone. That's for sure. And I mean, I think my husband only has six more years left, so I'm already counting down. But then, I mean, the, the cons of moving too, I mean, nobody wants to hire a military wife um, because they right. know that you're likely going to be moving again. And I mean, I before we left for Japan, I had a career. My background is in marketing. So I've always worked in marketing. And I mean, four years out of my career living in Japan, I couldn't really work there because I don't fully speak Japanese. Right. Um, <laughs> basically had to give up a career to to be able to do this stuff but thankfully with podcasting i can bring that anywhere i want to go so well that's fair you always had a passion for true crime then 
Yeah. Um, I mean, really, I remember being like six or seven years old and watching Dateline with my mom. And um, <laughs> just because she was watching it and she didn't want to bother to turn the channel. <laughs> right. So that's kind of where it started. And I had a little black and white TV in my bedroom that like the little bunny ears, bunny ear antennas. Um, and I would at nighttime <laughs> sneak uh, unsolved mysteries. Okay. <laughs> even though it scared the crap out of me. Um, so yeah, that's was, probably. It was the host. It was always the host. It wasn't the stories. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Well, except, I mean, there's one that stuck with me. Uh, spontaneous combustion. I always thought that was going to be a big problem. <laughs> if you haven't watched that episode, it's terrifying. I don't know if I have or not, but I mean, I, I suppose it's the same thing as like being afraid you're going to drown in quicksand. Which exactly, obviously, which obviously will never happen. But <laughs> another thing that I thought was definitely going to be another big issue, much more of an issue than it ever has been. But yeah, spontaneous combustion is terrifying. <laughs> oh man! So yeah, I do know because I like I looked through your social media a little bit. I do know that you posted that you quit drinking a while ago. Was that yeah? Was that something that was a huge issue with you? Yeah. So, um, I mean, it, it never really has been, but moving to Japan, there is a huge drinking culture. Um, and I think it's just because people there, you have to drink in order to kind of get through the workload. Um, Japanese companies, they will work you to the bone. Like you, s <laughs> I can, it's okay. I can hear the puppy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the wind must've blown. Yeah. So um so Jap if you work for a japanese company your your days are very long and then usually after that they'll go to the izakaya which is like the bar um and you can't leave until your boss leaves so oh. yeah so you could be spending you know you could work a 12 hour shift and then have to go to the bar and then you can't leave until your boss leaves so it's a huge drinking culture um and a lot of people there, you know, they have really small kitchens so that they don't cook a lot. They don't host in home. They're eating on the go. They're eating at bars. So, I mean, it's just, oh, and alcohol is literally everywhere in vending machines. I mean, you can literally just walk really? down the, yeah, yeah. In vending machines, you can just grab a drink and walk down the road because it's, you're allowed to carry around alcohol, open alcohol with you. It's not illegal there. Oh. Um, yep. Yep. It's very easy, very convenient, and it's cheap. It is really cheap. Um, so, I mean, if there's like, say a bottle of vodka here is like $25, which right. I mean, it, it is, like there it'll be 10 Oh, wow. And they have these other drinks called Strong Zeros, and they're like 9 to 12%, and they're kind of like... They're in cans. They're really easy to walk around with. Anyway, all this to say, alcohol is ingrained in the Japanese culture and it's really accessible and it's really cheap. So yeah, when I first moved there, just uh, adjusting to that sort of lifestyle. Um, and also sake. I don't know if you've had sake, but it's delicious. I, I have. Not, not my preference, but I've had it. <laughs> Maybe you haven't had good sake. That could be too. <laughs> yeah, because I tried sake before I moved to Japan and like I puked in my mouth pretty much. But like the good <laughs> sake is so smooth. It's really nice. So I I loved sake the first time I tried it. Um, but I mean, 
for the first two years I was there, it was just a lot of traveling and going to festivals. That's the other thing. They have these amazing festivals um, and it's for every single holiday or season you can possibly imagine, or just because it's a Wednesday, they'll have a festival for like Wednesdays. <laughs> like, <laughs> so you go out and you get food and you get drinks and have fun. Um, but I mean, so for the first two years, I was just really, I was kind of on a holiday, on a vacation, right. but then COVID happened and while well, I was over there and oh. Japan, yeah, Japan was locked down for a really long time. Um, a lot of things were closed and we just, we couldn't really leave our houses. We weren't even really allowed to leave our houses. So I think that's when I started drinking really heavily just to pass the time. Right. Uh, and yeah. it, I mean, it, it first started off of, as like, you know, well, I mean, let's just, I mean, it's, it's sort of a fun thing. We're stuck at home. Let's have a bottle of wine. And then, you know, each day that passed and it's like, okay, COVID's not letting up. Like, <laughs> I guess we're just going to keep drinking. And I mean, eventually just got really out of control. And I was drinking, um, like multiple bottles of sake by myself. Oh. And sake is like, like 15, yes. 20%. Yeah. It's so. pretty potent. <laughs> It's potent. And I mean, I was a little bit bigger then, but I'm not like, I'm not, I don't know. I I'm not a huge um, drinker and I, I would get really intoxicated even for me. And I mean, yeah, at the end, tw two bottles, I would drink it and I would be buzzed, but I would, I was still standing. Oh, wow. Like I built up a tolerance. So, um, but towards the end of my time in Japan, I mean, I, there's a lot of things that I don't remember and I wish I did. And it's almost really sad because there's a lot that I didn't fully experience because I was just drinking through my last two years. Um, and I gained a ton, a ton of weight. Um, like even if you look at my photos and my videos prior to moving back to Canada, like I look like a completely different person. Um, so it was really affecting my health. And so coming back to Canada, I just, thankfully I just quit and I, I've never really even had a craving to drink alcohol again. Like I haven't had oh, nice. alcohol. Yeah. Pretty much since I moved back or a little over a year ago. So. So it was just cold Turkey then and didn't touch yeah. anything else. I think my body like was just done. It was just done. Well, that's fair. I mean, it, it, you started suddenly, so it's not something, it's not like something you did for, you know, a decade plus. So that might've made it a little bit easier to quit. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And I mean, for me, I, yeah, it was, I think it was a very, like, it was maybe situational, thankfully. So leaving that situation, leaving Japan, I was able to just quit, but, um, even quitting drinking. I mean, a lot of people will say, you know, you quit drinking and you get your life back. I don't necessarily think that's true. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I don't have a whole lot of fun these days. <laughs> it happens. Yeah. I'm one of those people that has to drink to be in a social situation. So, oh, I see. So you just avoid it pretty much. So, yeah. So now I just I, I don't really go to social situations, and people don't really understand why. But I'm like, if I go, like I'm I'm gonna be passing out at like eight o'clock. Like I just I can't stand it. <laughs> or like coming back and going to like a, a concert. It's not the same. It's really not the same. So now, do you think that'll be? for the forever or do you think there'll be a time where you venture out and try to get back kind of yeah. in that scene 
Um, I, I personally would like it to be forever. And I, I think it could be forever. Um, because even, you know, I went to a wedding and I, I poured like a tiny little bit in the bottom of the glass just to do a cheers. And even having a sip of that, I was like, Oh, like my body oh. instantly rejected it. So, but I'm moving to Germany. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's another land of beer. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> It's going to be another experience and I'm going to want to do like Oktoberfest and all that, of course. So yeah, we're going to have to see. Yeah. And I, I mean, I get it. You know, I, I was a drinker. I, I smoked cigarettes. I, when I quit, it was, it was difficult. And part of the problem is you trick yourself almost when you say you quit, it's almost like a challenge. It's right. Like, I quit. Oh yeah. You think so? <laughs> Here, have another one. So I had to tell myself, you know, Hey, I'm a, I'm a drinker or I'm an alcoholic or I'm a smoker, but I'm choosing not to have this. Like, right. It, it's how I trick myself into not craving it basically. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of, I kind of have to trick myself as well, but I don't know. Like even, I mean, I felt horrible drinking so much. I would wake up and I just felt bloated and my stomach would hurt and exhausted. But that, so for a while I was even going to, to therapy. But the thing is like, I think I'm too good of a talker because I just, I was able to convince her that I was not doing anything wrong at all by drinking two bottles of sake a day and that <laughs> I deserved it. It was fine. And I was just a mom just trying to relax. And she like fully supported that. Really? Yeah. <laughs> That's shocking. <laughs> it is shocking. And I don't know if it's because I was seeing a therapist in Japan where that is just sort of normalized, but oh. her advice to me was always like, well, I mean, you know, you're stressed out. So everyone deserves a little break sometimes. And I'm like, yeah, a little break. I know. But I feel bad because I'm drinking like, you know, a lot and I feel like crap and I'm not able to, you know, hang out with my kids as much and I'm hungover in the morning. So she's like, oh, well, you know, everyone does it. It's give yourself a break pretty much. <laughs> like, All right. Perfect. Wow. I'm going to, yeah, this is a therapist I'm going to keep coming to see. Yeah. Right. Right. So how did your, did your husband deal with it well then while that was going on? Yeah, I mean, my husband was drinking right along with me because he, okay. yeah, he he yeah, loves it. You guys it. were stuck, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we were stuck together in the house, so we were we were both doing it. I mean, he he was working full time, so I know that was really tough on him. But um, he, you'd probably never know it just by like looking at us or talking to us that we were like that. But I mean, yeah, behind closed doors, we were both drinking a lot. And I mean, even if I was like, nope, I'm not drinking tonight you know, then he'd be like, well, you know, we could just get a bottle, you know, and then we'll drink like a lot of water and we'll go to bed early. And I mean, I didn't need any convincing. Right. And the other thing is you can get like, I don't know what it's like where you live, but um, if you want alcohol at any time of night, you can get it delivered to your door within like 10 minutes at any hour. Yeah, no, ours we they have delivery it's very limited and you can't get alcohol i think after midnight here yeah so 
that's probably for the best because <laughs> <laughs> I would finish a bottle and I'd be like, oh, well, it's only, you know, 1230. It's only one. Oh, this place doesn't close till like three or four. So I, you know, I could very easily get another bottle to my door without even like blinking an eye within 15 minutes. And it wow. was cheap. So. Yeah, yeah, that would definitely, that would definitely be a problem for sure. It is a problem. It kind of makes me worry about my friends that I leave behind there too. Cause I mean, cause it is the culture. It is so easy. It's gotta be really hard to quit when you're in it every day and it's so accessible, but. Yeah. But at least you're able to. So that is definitely a plus. Yeah. It's a, and I'm, I'm like California sober. Like, I don't know if you know what that means. No, I could probably um, Google it. <laughs> but Yeah. It, so like in Canada, it's legalized. Marijuana is legalized. So oh, it's, it is here too. Okay. Yeah. So I'm like California sober. Like I'm oh, so gotcha. alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> I got gotcha. you. No, I mean, it's, it's uh, not in every state it's legal, but it's more than half. So. So you got lucky then. <laughs> yeah. We were one of the first states to actually legalize it. So. What state um, are you in? Colorado. Colorado. Okay. Yeah. I've, I've been there once. I went to Denver once. Um, oh, you're not, and you're not missing much. <laughs> it's pretty there. I don't know. Like there's a lot of murders that happen there though. Like there, uh, a lot. I mean, <laughs> I'll take your word on it. You're the expert on that. I, I guess living here. So it's one of those things, right? You live somewhere and everyone's like, Oh, it's so beautiful. And you're like, yeah, I see it every day. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. But it actually is. <laughs> it, like, you're right. It is. <laughs> like it's it's one of those places where like you're like oh wow like looking at the mountains and like it's so pretty. But there, yeah, there are a lot of murders there, which is surprising for a state that's legalized. But and see, I I guess because I live here, I don't pay attention to all that. It just seems normal. You guys but... have some of the like biggest cases, like uh, Jean-Benet Ramsey. Right. Well, yeah, that was. Here. Um, Chris Watts. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that was here. Suzanne <laughs> See, Morphew, now... like Barry Morphew and Suzanne Morphew. Oh yeah. That one. Yep. Yeah. He he claimed his wife went missing going on a bike ride. Oh no. Yeah. No. Eaten by a yeah. mountain lion. That's what he said. Oh, I thought it was a bike ride. It was. Yeah. I think she. I think that was the theory. She went on a bike ride and got eaten by a mountain lion. But gotcha. that didn't happen. We don't think that happened. <laughs> There's a lot though. Yeah, there's a lot of high profile cases. It kind of makes me want to Google it. Let me see. Done. <laughs> I'm sure there is. I, I don't doubt that for a second. Like so, how long have you been doing a podcast for? I've been podcasting uh, for three, four, four years now. Four years. Okay. Wow, it goes by really quickly. Or, yeah, four years. Uh, I started right when COVID happened because, again, I had nothing to do. Um, right. So I was like, you know what, let's just give this a shot. And I didn't think anybody would listen. Um, and surprisingly, they did. People like to listen to true crime stuff. So I get kind of lucky there. But they yeah. Do. yeah, they do. They do. <laughs> so is there any story you covered that like deeply bothered you that you almost wish you didn't cover? Yeah, um, I'd say the worst one that I covered was out of Halifax, Nova Scotia. Um, oh my gosh, why is her? Tori Stafford. She was a little girl who 
I think she was maybe like six or seven years old. And um, after school, she was supposed to walk home and she lived really close to the school and a woman approached her and asked her if she wanted to see some puppies, like literally like the oldest trick in the book, like asked her right. if she wanted to see some puppies. And um, the little girl said, yes, of course. And uh, this woman was abducting this little girl for her boyfriend. Oh. Um, yeah. And the things that they did to her were just, just absolutely awful. Um, and the guy, he went away for, for quite some time, but the, the female who actually lured the young girl, she kind of claimed to be another victim herself. Um, and she got off pretty easy. And then she claimed, um, um, she was indigenous. So for a while, they were actually letting her out of prison to go to healing circles and things like that. Um, really? so, yeah. So there's a lot of uproar about that, but any, any cases involving children are really tough. And I just, I don't even cover them anymore. Cause they're just, they're so awful. Was that, do you, do you think that's just cause your kids are younger like that and they hit close to home? Probably. Yeah. I probably would, it probably wouldn't affect me as much if I didn't have kids and I have a little girl right. as well. So it's just unimaginable, but I mean, yeah, those cases are tough. So now I, I try to cover, um, Ones that, I mean, I don't want to say aren't as bad because they're all so horrible, right. but maybe not as graphic and, and gruesome. And I also try to cover a lot of unsolved cases uh, and missing people cases now. Okay. So, yeah, to, to give more attention to those instead of more of the like sensationalized stories. Right. And I definitely get that because, I mean, you know, you talked about high profile cases out here. There was Jessica Ridgway that happened. Oh, it was a long time ago. It was 10 years or so ago. But it was uh, it was pretty close to where we lived. And I got four girls, and two of my girls were the same age, pretty much the same age as her, right, when it yeah. happened. So it was like, Ugh. so. Yeah, yeah that can, one was tough, yeah. I can definitely understand staying away from those kind of things. And like Chris Watts, that, that case really affected me too. What he did to the two little girls, putting them in the oil tanks. Like, yeah. that's, that's unreal. It's so horrible. It's so difficult to imagine. So even, even with all that, it doesn't, none of that deters you from getting the stories out there, huh? Um, I mean, I think now that I'm, I'm covering cases more with a purpose, it's right. a little bit easier. So now like covering cases where the families have specifically asked for more coverage, that's, then it feels like I'm actually doing something positive instead of just contributing to like sensationalizing these really graphic murders. No, that makes sense. Cause there's that a lot definitely. of it out there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there's I'm, I'm sure there is. Yeah, there's more than enough to go. I mean, there's, there's so much out there. And, and I mean, it, what's un really unfortunate is those kind of cases and those kind of shows and YouTube channels, I mean, those are the ones that really get the attention, unfortunately. Right. But you got to, at the end of the day, you have to do what makes you feel good about yourself. Like you have to, you have to live with yourself. You have to be able to sleep at night. So, right. Yeah. So what, was there anything else in your family that caused you to, to, to kind of veer towards that? Or was it just, was it solely like watching the shows um, as a kid? Yeah, I mean, probably also just because I have like extreme anxiety and I feel like the more <laughs> you're able to sort of learn patterns and um, well, yeah, learn patterns, learn warning signs and 
specific behaviors, the more you know about why people do things, the less scary it is. Okay. So <laughs> I'd say, yeah, I think that's why a lot of women are into true crime because oftentimes, I mean, women are the victims. Um, and I know for me personally, like my, my podcast is definitely mainly female listeners. I think that's true with a lot of true crime. So we want right. to know like why, how, what to watch for. Um, yeah. So is it just, is your anxiety just towards like being out in public with people or like? Yeah. I mean, I'm not a big fan of people. <laughs> I don't even know if it's, well, yeah, maybe I think it's anxiety because I just know I'm going to have a miserable time and I'm going to look like a jerk because <laughs> I, I can't hide it on my face. So that's probably what the anxiety is about, but. I gotcha. So, I, I, so have you always, have you always had anxiety? Yeah, uh, probably. And maybe it's because I watched Dateline with my mom when I was six and seven years old. <laughs> that could be. I, I ask because I didn't have it. And yeah. then we got COVID. Right. Uh, and the second time I got COVID, I got started getting really bad anxiety and panic attacks. That's really so that's interesting. Why, yeah, that's why I ask because mine came out of nowhere. So. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've always had I guess social anxiety, but yeah, I mean, now that you mention it, I'm kind of like, hmm, hmm. And I mean, maybe a lot of that also has to do with the fact that we were all, you know, locked away in our homes, not talking to people, not having to leave our house for so long that we kind of right. had these little comfort nests and now we have to like interact again and <laughs> all the terrible right. stuff. Yeah. Talk with people, all that fun, all that fun stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah. I think a lot of people feel that way, actually. I, I, cause I, you know, I'm trying to be more honest about why I'm not going to things instead of being like, Oh, I have something. I can't go to your wedding or, you know, right. I just don't want to, but it's not because I don't love you. It's just because I don't want to leave my house. Like I'm not a fan of like <laughs> big crowds and interacting. And, um, and what I'm finding is a lot of people are like, you know what, like same, same ever since COVID, I much prefer to just spend the night at home than, you know, to go out somewhere. So. Right. No, it's definitely understandable. Even when we go out, me and my wife, it's like low key stuff where <laughs> we're like, okay, there's not a big group. Let's go there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like I'd rather, I don't know. I'm trying to think of what's like a movie, make do a movie. Right. <laughs> like where, yeah, I guess <laughs> I'm not even really talking to anybody, but. <laughs> rather do that. I mean, I went to Costco today. My mother is visiting from out of town and she dragged me there and whew, that's a nightmare. Uh, yep. <laughs> that's scarier that's, than anything I cover on my podcast. That's, that's, that's an understatement. <laughs> it's crazy. And I just, ah, I can't, I can't do it. I can't do it. it. And it feels sort of like, and that may be because I'm, i moved back from Japan, but it just feels really cringy to just like loading up on things and just, I don't know, the, pe the way people get so excited about Costco, <laughs> something about that is kind of... <laughs> yeah, yeah, I never understood it. I really don't. So it's tough. I'm like, uh, there's a whole world out there and you're just so excited to be at Costco and get that like $1 hot dog. Like, <laughs> I can't, I don't know. Oh man. So I guess what advice would you have for people that 
either a want to start a podcast like you did or b are dealing with the situations that you cover that may not be getting the attention it needs yeah so um anyone who wants to start a podcast the really you don't need a whole lot to get started like that's the best thing about podcasting is anyone can do it though not everyone should do it but (laughs) i mean (laughs) but anyone can like i think i started oh actually you know what i still and i mean you're in podcasting so maybe you'll get this but like i still have my blue yeti mic like that's what i use for my podcast and i that's apparently the worst mic to have in podcasting but don't feel bad i so i have mine's toner i don't know i got it off amazon for like 28 bucks see that's like literally all you need like it doesn't matter and i mean people people criticize me all the time for having a blue yeti mic but like they're it doesn't matter their shows aren't even getting the downloads that my shows right i don't care right but (laughs) it's just frustrating i'm like why you have to be such a mic snob like who cares and it's funny because i wrote so before i started recording and i've only been doing it about a year but I was, you know, I was reading stuff and I was, I, it, you almost psych yourself out yeah. reading people in the community and it's like, oh, well, I can't do this. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It, it's true. And the thing is, most of those people, you have no idea whether they're actually successful or not. So I wouldn't take any advice from right. any of that. You just, you really just learn by doing it and and just seeing what's working and what's not working because you'll get feedback pretty fast like somebody will tell you that you're pronouncing words wrong or that they hate like you're breathing on the mic or that they hate your (laughs) accent or right people are very forthcoming you do have to develop a thick skin for sure but um yeah the best way to get started is really just to get whatever mic you can afford you don't need anything else audacity is free or if you have I know something similar to that and just do it just do it and then if you're like if you're yeah if if you're related to a case if you have some sort of um case in your life like if you have if you're connected to a case that you're wanting to get more attention i mean so many podcasters out there um are willing to help and there's been there's been cases solved over that like the podcast serial um that was like crucial um in solving a case and i mean there's a whole oh and uh what's the other one in your back in your own backyard with kristen smart the murder of kristen smart like that case would never have gotten as far as it did if it weren't for the podcast so i think a lot of really? people underestimate yeah underestimate podcasts it puts pressure. i didn't yeah i didn't know that i didn't know that, that like there were certain ones that helped solve cases it's it's really impressive yeah um i definitely recommend in your own backyard it's it's the the case of kristen smart who was um murdered after a college party and for the longest time i mean people in the town kind of knew who they thought did it but there just wasn't enough evidence to convict and so this show just i mean they they went to the town they interviewed everybody it's really 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 well done and um just i think this past year the guy who did it was finally, they finally had enough to arrest him and charge him and convict him um, and his father because his father helped cover up the, the murder as well. So, and none of that would have happened without the podcast. Dang, that's crazy. So, well, that's awesome. Is there is there anything else you want to cover about your life that maybe you haven't before or? 
Um, I mean, honestly, like, <laughs> I don't. If not, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a whole lot going on these days, so. <laughs> it's ha- that's fine. It's better to be low key and boring than yeah, have exactly. all kinds of drama. So. <laughs> oh my! Like, I could never cut it as like an influencer, or like if I ever got famous, that would be probably the worst thing in the world. People would just be like, "You're so boring." Like. What are you doing? <laughs> oh, oh, you don't mean you don't want like, you know, thousands of notifications on your social media and <laughs> Oh my no. I, I like to just sit back and read those. I don't I don't want to be the subject of anything to do with that. So yeah. <laughs> I don't blame you. Trust me, I don't have I don't have nearly as many followers as you do. And I'm like, man, if I get it and my notifications blow up or something like that, I might just get rid of my phone. Well, I'm already doing the wrong thing. Like, apparently, you're not supposed to delete negative comments, but <laughs> oh, oh well. <laughs> I, like, I think you're supposed to like address them. I don't know, or maybe that's not even the right thing to do. But I'm just like, meh, delete, meh, delete. I was gonna like, say, why would you? Why would you address it? Like, I don't know. I don't know. Most, like, of, them, most of them do it just because they want a reaction. So I mean. And it works because I, <laughs> I get fired up. People, especially because I'm Canadian, well, and like, I I don't know. I feel like I'm not that great at speaking to begin with. Like just my vocabulary, <laughs> I don't know. And like my accent, the way I pronounce words, I constantly get comments like, um, I don't want to say it, the car. The car that is, wait, let's see. The car that has the symbol of a cat, a, t- a t- oh, okay. cat. Like, how do you say that? How do you say that name? How do you say that? It's a jaguar. No, it's not. Not apparently, it isn't. It's not jaguar. No, jaguar is a cat. Apparently, I don't know. It's like, I don't know, but like, it's it's a jaguar. They can shut up. Let me see. (laughs) How? Let me look. How to pronounce jaguar? It's different. It's like, I don't know, drag, jaguar or something. Yeah, it's a jaguar. That's people just doing it wrong. That's all. That's right. So if you're uh, another tip, if you're getting started with the podcast, I mean, try to try your best to look things up, but like, forget about it. People are always going to comment. On yeah. Any yeah. <laughs> what's the, out of curiosity, what's the worst, re, what's the worst review you've got? Oh, oh, here, I'll pull it right up for you. One second. Let me just pull this up on Chartable. I know exactly which one I want. Because I'm like, this doesn't even make any sense. Oh, hold on. Let me just pull this right up. By I'll the way, you're. Your accent isn't bad and your vocabulary is fine. Perfect. So, Thank you. Go leave me a review then. That'd be great. <laughs> I'll go leave you a review. <laughs> I'll be like, she talks perfectly okay. <laughs> perfectly average. Right. <laughs> oh, here we go. Okay. So the title of the review, because it's on Apple Podcasts, and I guess you can leave a title, is Agenda Driven. <laughs> Which I'm like, what's my, I don't, what is my agenda? I, 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 I just want to talk about true crime. Right. Like, and here it goes. So presentation is fair until you realize that she leaves out facts that go against her opinions. She'll also do a lot of victim blaming, going deep into the victim's mistakes while glossing over the mistakes of murderers, which is like literally the opposite that I do. <laughs> In every single situation, I just trash talk like the murderer, the killer, the right. bad guy. And... Yeah, so I don't know. And it's okay. And then it's you might find it entertaining, but just remember that you're the product here. And there are hundreds of true crime podcasts that are better and more fair. <laughs> Woof. I was like, what? What? 
And that, <laughs> and I'm going to call him out. That is from Baseball Radio Guy. <clears throat> well, that's a hell of a name to be leaving a review on a true crime podcast. I tried to go find him because I was like, I just want to know, like, what what agenda? What agenda? But couldn't find him. All right. It almost sounds like he's saying, like, you're for the killers. <laughs> yeah. Which is the craziest thing I've ever, like, I don't get it. I don't know. Which, let me just say, if it was that, then you're hitting a whole different spectrum of true crime than the other podcasts are. So it would be just for listeners, right? Because you could get a different twist on it. I know that's not what you're doing, but (laughs) trying to spin it in a positive light. (laughs) There is a market there, apparently. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I'm sure. uh, I'm sure there is. I'm sure there is, actually. (laughs) Sadly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, perfect. Um, So, yeah, we've been talking for, I don't know what, 40 minutes. So. (laughs) You think you got enough for, yeah? Yeah, you're fine. Awesome. I mean, I like I said, I I have people on to talk about their lives, and it could go it could go deep, and it could stay shallow. It doesn't really matter. The whole point of this is for who's ever listening. They might connect with you in some way. They may not, mm-hmm. but you know, it, they might be going through something that you've dealt with, and they can go, "Oh, hey, there's somebody else that's dealt with it." So. Yeah. That was, that's the point of it. And, you know, even you just coming on and talking about it, whether it's your passion for true crime or, you know, it's your overcoming drinking, it, it's there if somebody needs it. And that's yeah, That's so, great. I love that. But I appreciate you being on and I will, oh, tell everyone the name of your podcast, first of all. <laughs> podcast is Serial Napper. It's available on Apple, Spotify. YouTube, wherever you listen to podcasts. Why Serial Napper, by the way? Okay, so my <laughs> husband hates this name, and now I get to basically laugh in his face all the time because I'm like, people love it. Like, what are you talking about? But so Serial, like, not the cereal that you eat, but right. Serial, like, real killer. And Napper, just kind of like it says, like, well, it could be like kidnapping, could be like taking a nap, but. Um... Oh, see, I associate it with the, the, the sleep nap, not kidnapping, so that's smart. It is more so the kidnapping, but it's sort of like a play on words. But um, I right. listen to true crime podcasts, well, or at least I used to. I actually, so that's the thing. I don't listen to any podcast anymore, and I'm so sorry for admitting that, but it's just because I'm podcasting all day. And I. <laughs> nope, I, I understand that completely. Yeah, so, but I used to listen to, especially true crime especially true crime podcasts. I cannot stomach true crime podcasts anymore because I'm just constantly reading about true crime. But I used to listen to true crime podcasts while I fell asleep. Jesus. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. my Yeah. A lot of people do that apparently because I get a lot of people who are like, oh my God, I do too. Ah, oh, this is so great. Because like, yeah. And that's my whole thing, you know? <laughs> like that's in my intro, it's, you know, let me lull you to sleep or perhaps give you nightmares kind of thing. So nice. (laughs) Yeah. That's what it's all about. Well, I already have anxiety about that kind of stuff. So, you know, I'm sure my wife and my oldest daughter will love your podcast (laughs) because they love that stuff. I like, I'm not even kidding. My wife will sit there and watch like, uh, who the bleep did I marry? American Psycho, Mm -hmm. like all those shows. And I'm like, I cannot watch this. Like it wigs me out. Like (laughs) she's like, what? I'm like, uh, I'll go 
in the other room. <laughs> <laughs> Too funny. So, well, thank you so much, Nikki, for joining me. I appreciate that. And we'll definitely keep in touch. Sounds great. Thanks for having me. Of course. Okay. <laughs> Bye. Bye. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening to another episode. Thank you, Nikki, for sharing some of your story with us. Remember to like, follow, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. Uh, follow us on the socials, Sticko Podcast, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Blue Sky, Threads, Snapchat. We are working still on getting the episodes up on YouTube. It is a little bit of a slower process. Uh, you could always shoot me an email as well, stickopodcast at gmail.com. We're always looking for people to be on the show. So if you want to come on and share a story, you're always more than welcome. Uh, and until next time, be safe. Don't be a stranger.